Welcome to Ramble City. And all, and all the guys come home. from the children's side. Yeah. They come from the children's side because, you see, that's where we all come from. But I'm one of the few yeah. guys who not ashamed of the children's side because when you speak about blues singing now and blues artists, most black people, young black men, don't want to be called blues singer because it's been written or said that blues singer is something less than something else. Now, the blues singers, most of the time, it's not the black people who said it. It's the writers, the TV station, and the people who uh, write about it. Selling, write selling about stuff. It. Yeah, it's, 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 it's always a downward thing until the white guys do it. Then it's the best thing, and it's the best thing since bubble gum. You know, yeah. But 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 the but I want to tell all the people now to listen to us. I talk about the blues in a way not because I'm a blues singer, but I happen to know the history of blues and gospel being the root of all music. And I often talk about if you don't like the blues, you probably don't like your mom. How does an American blues musician navigate art? faith, business, and racism during a career that spans almost 70 years and after everything, end up one of the last of the first true blues masters on the planet. Bobby Rush is our guest today and he's won at least, well, 12 blues music awards and in 2017 at the age of 83, yes, 83, won his first Grammy award for the album Porcupine Meat. Celebrating the release of his new autobiography, I Ain't Studdin' Ya, Bobby stops by Ramble City to share stories from his incredible career, working alongside many of the greats of the American music tradition and some of his personal views and philosophies on life and music. I mean, Bobby's career is a genuine, tremendous inspiration to me personally, and his autobiography is a must for anyone interested in music, blues, or American history. I mean, Rolling Stone magazine called him the king of the Chitlin circuit because of his 50 years of relentless touring. And, I mean, where do you start with with a legend? Bobby Rush, what does the blues mean to you? My name's Bradley McCaw, and this... Is Ramble City. Welcome to Ramble City. So, can we? Can I start by asking you a very open-ended and uh, surprise attack question? In a sense, Bobby Rush, what is the blues to you? The blues to me, honestly, is is my life. It's my food, it's my sleep, it's my go to bed, it's my wake up. Everything that I do is about the blues because I eat it, I sleep it. It's all I know. It's the blues, man. Uh, And it don't always have to mean mean bad things or sad things because uh, the same thing makes you laugh, the same thing makes you cry. So that's some good times in the blues, that's some bad times in the blues. There's some ups and downs in the blues, but overall, the good overtake the bad. So yeah. I, I'm a blues man, but it's been more good times than it was bad times. And I don't know what else the blues you expected, but I can tell you that's the blues for me. Is blues is a botheration that's on your mind. It could be good. You're expecting this, 
this good lady to go out and take you for dinner or you take her for dinner. And main thing is what happened after dinner. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. That, 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 you that's that's why I love the blues, okay? Yeah, man. You go out and you, you go to the movie, but it ain't really about the movie. It's about the no, movement no. after the movie, you know? <laughs> you just hear that boogie, that chug-a-chug, chug-a-chug. Yeah, yeah, man, you know. Because, I mean... So that's so, what the blues made to me, you know? Well, you know, and it's a, it's a, it's a funny old question, but I mean, there are this kind of, um, can you almost break it into kind of two groups, blues music? It's like those that sort of love blues. I mean, there's probably three. There's blues legends like yourself. Then there's the blues fans who get the blues music that you guys make, you legends. And then there's other people that don't get the blues and think it's something totally different. That just sort of had this idea about what the blues is. Do you think that's what I think? But I think what people said that don't get the blues don't really know when they have the blues. Really? Like I said, because the blues is not necessarily mean that you're feeling bad because they've been trained and taught that when you have the blues, there's something on your mind that's worrying you. Right. But you can also have the blues when something's on your mind, thinking about the good time you're having with this woman or girlfriend or the guy with the uh, girl with the man. I mean, that's some good time. I used to work in a cotton field as a farmer chopping cotton, picking cotton. You work all the week long. Those are hard times. But come Friday afternoon about five o'clock, man, I could just see myself going in a nightclub. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I could just, not only just the nightclub, what's going to happen when I meet this same woman in the nightclub, we go and have a good time. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, hey, man. Hey, man. I mean, I think that's what grabbed me about it. I mean, you know, I grew up in Australia. We, um, I, I, I started as a classical singer, right? And then I oh. came to writing musical theater. And, and it's somewhere along the line, I fell in love with American folk music. Somewhere along the line, I don't remember when it was. I mean, I was a big Billy Joel fan because I'm a piano player. But somewhere in my sort of upbringing, somewhere along the line, it was more in my adulthood, I, I found your records. I found Louis Jordan. I, I found Pine Top Smith. I mean, and then I would spend hours I mean, at the keyboard just trying to yeah. trying to find a way to hold a boogie woogie rhythm. I'm just like, just hold it, just yeah. keep it, don't let it go, just just sit there. And that's what it was for me was this feeling of there was a release when I listened to you sing, when I listened to this music. And it wasn't always about having a cry. It was a celebration yeah. and yeah. Yeah. You so someone asked me, uh, Barbara Rush, well, put it in, put it in, 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 in words. How do you survive the blues? I don't understand what they mean when they say that. I think they mean that because I'm a black man who sang the blues, uh, my ups and downs in my life struggle because I couldn't do what some of the white guys did. I yeah. go to go places white guys went. That seemed to that seemed to be something downward to that. It was in one sense, but when you don't know anything but that, it, come on, you know, because I didn't know I was poor when I was a boy. I didn't know I was didn't have anything because all I had was what I had, and I had everything that everybody else had in my peers. Everything yeah. around me. God, come on, you know. You know, I, wow. I guess one thing that kind of strikes me now about 60 years ago, that was a wah-wah, as a wah-wah pillow. You should play the guitar on through a wah-wah. Yeah. That was created so the white guy could sound like the black guys. 
Yeah. Now you got black guys buying Wawa so they can sound like a white guy who's trying to sound black. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, just look at the charts now. I mean, yeah. it's it's no different to any or any pop music, you know, exactly. since we've had since you know mm-hmm. since since the blues. But you know. <clears throat> There, there's so much that I found in your book that just, you know, I heard myself sort of, you know, laying in bed at 11 o'clock, flicking page yeah. to page going, yep, that's it. Yep. Yep. Yes. Yes. You know, so many things about music that if you're a music fan or a musician, there's so much in it to educate. You know, there's so much history well, you know, in the book. I'm glad and- you said that because one thing was so hard about this book was that I couldn't put everything about how I felt in this book, but I could, I could put overall uh, things about the book because when you talk about where I've been the things I've done as a black man as a blues man yeah. there's so many things I could not do but that's so many things I did do you yeah. know it's overtake you know and I remember back in the early 50s and I talk about me going to these places working uh, behind a curtain and, 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 and because the people want to hear my music but they don't want to see my face as a black man yeah yeah but I talk about those kind of things because those are true things. But man, I had so much fun playing behind the curtain. Now, I never told this about the book. I didn't tell them that. I knew I was going to be behind this curtain. So I would get my little girlfriend and put him behind the curtain with me. I would be playing like this, man, in one hand, sometimes like that. <laughs> hey, you got to do what you got to do to get the magic. You know, man, you got to build I, a vibe. I, you need a vibe. I know. Hey, I know they couldn't see me anyway. I was said, my baby, don't stand no cheat, my baby. I said, did it, did it, and did it, did it. <laughs> you know what? I feel now kind of, I feel like I've been ripped up, that I've never had the chance to play behind a curtain before because that sounds kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, man. You can go right away behind the curtain. And everybody laughed at me, so, oh, that's so sad, Barbara. You had to play behind the curtain. But they didn't know. That was a good time behind that curtain, man. <laughs> they, couldn't see, they couldn't see what I was doing, man. They should have saw my hand. And most of the time, it wasn't on the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, take a solo. No, 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 no. You take it. Yeah, you yeah, take yeah, it. You yeah. take it. I'm fine. I'm yeah, fine. Yeah, Give yeah, me five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, with yeah. the, so in your book, you talk about um, guitar is the first instrument you pick up. Yeah, I talked about that because, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what should, I like the guitar, but I think what I get over with most of the time is the harmonica. The harmonica. Yeah, yeah. because, yeah. because God had given me this gift, I can do so well with the harp without without the guitar or music. I can just do the harp, man. And God, yeah. man, you probably never heard that side of me, but God, you know, just when people want to know, so Bobby Rush, what are you made of? I have a harp here in my pocket. I'm going to demonstrate oh, something. Oh, please. Oh, Little concert. I'm I'm the luckiest man in Australia right now. Thank you, Bobby Rush. This is great. Hey, hey, hands up, hands up, hands up, please, while you're playing. Hands up while you're playing. (laughs) (laughs) Someone said, well, why do you play the blues? Is because your woman left you? You can have the blues when your woman leave you. But let me tell you, brother, you can have the blues if they stay too long. (laughs) Let me show you what I mean. Have you ever been mistreated? I saw one you showed no love. 
Have you ever been mistreated? I saw why you showed up low. Out of all the men, my woman could have left me far. She left me for the garbage man. If I ever get my woman to come back home, I'm going to buy myself a garbage truck. If I ever get my woman to come back home, I'm going to buy myself a garbage truck. And when my garbage can't get full, I'm going to take it and dump it way, way, way out in the woods. That's the blues part. Oh, my God. <laughs> Made my year. Made my year, man. Forget me talking. What's next? What's next? Well, you know, I, you know I, just, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you, how much that I have God have blessed me to be sitting talking to you and you loving my music as a white guy who's loving my music as a black man who loves what I do and respect what I do. I'm, I'm so appreciative. I'm so thankful because I'm one of the few black men that done what I'm done, have crossed over to a white audience. But yet I never crossed out the black audience. It's not many guys that did that because I'm known with the white, black, Hispanic and what have you. That's a hard, I wear two or three hats, man. It's hard to do. So, it's hard to do. So where does, how, and how does that happen, Bobby? So in, I mean, it's impossible to talk about American folk music and American, and look, when I talk about American folk music, it's because, so I did my master's studying what you guys did in that I, I just wanted to immerse myself and I would I just listened for a year just because I was like, this is the hippest stuff I've ever heard in my life. This speaks to me. I don't know what it is, but I just wanted to soak it all in. And I just, I mean, that was kind of a piece of paper that was like, it just meant that I got to listen to it for a year and a half and just do that for a year and a half. You know what I mean? It was, yeah, it was you know, that's, it's, that's, it's not, it ain't real. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not real. It's, it's me just pretending. But, but the thing for me was that it, you know, ever since then, it's like, to me, it's when I talk about, you know, R&B music and then, you know, rock and roll and then disco and, and then, you know, soul music, it's all to me, American folk music. And then the British invasion is just a copy of doing that sound. And then even me, I'm a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. You know, I'm the first to put up my hand and be like, I just, I, I'm, 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 I'm 12 cousins removed from the source. You know what I mean? But but you can't talk about this music without talking about what you're talking about, which is the history of America and, you know, your story that's in the book and the stories you're talking now. So let's take a quick break and let's go back kind of the start and sort of just carry that story forward for us. So let's, we'll be right back. So you said, uh, you know, being a black man and me being a white man and, and, and you being in two audiences, for someone like me, what does that mean? I don't understand really what that means, do I? So what does that mean? Uh, well, let me tell you that 
you don't have to understand everything, but just read me now for a minute. Because that's some things I didn't understand about myself and the thing I was doing. I remember going to Chicago in 1951. I went to a place. I did an audition for, for a place where they said on the door, no colored folks allowed. Yeah. And I went there with three white guys to do an audition. When I did the audition, the, the Chinese guy was running the place. He said, this is good, man. You're a black guy with three white guys. We're going to integrate this place. I didn't want the guy to know. I didn't know what he was talking about because I never really heard integrate. Back in 1951, we didn't hear the integrate thing. You know, yeah, yeah. I didn't really know what it meant. And I didn't want the guy to know I didn't understand that. So when I went to work that night, on a Wednesday night, I went to work at 9 o'clock. I went 10 minutes to 9. So I got these three black guys with me now in my band. But I did the audition with the three white guys. They don't know that. So I waited till 10 minutes to, to 9 to, to go up to the door because I didn't want the man to see these black guys and have time to find me before I started to work. So he didn't have a 10 minutes. Either take me or don't take me. So he didn't have these all man. What band? I said, right here. He's all oh, God, you're going to get me killed. You're going to integrate my place. Second time I heard integrate. So we went in and we played one hour on, one hour off. They had a white band in, in, in one room and we could stay in with the white band. So they created another room for us as black men in the cloak room. And they put a chain on the door and locked it up. When we went to go to the bathroom, we had to say, boom, 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 three times. If you want to do the number two, it's boom time. If you want a meal, it's my time. That's the way they brought sandwiches to you, come to you. Point I'm getting to is something you don't know. I didn't know what integrate was. I thought because I'm a black man, I thought integrate was what that you take the black man and you put him in a room with a bunch of ladies and you breed him and make good slaves. So I thought I could make a good integrator. <laughs> <laughs> He's saying, he's saying that, that, that doesn't sound too bad to me. This yeah. Is, <laughs> yeah, that was it. But it was a bad thing, but I didn't understand it in the way yeah. that it was meant. So it seemed like, oh, God, I'm going to be integrated in a minute. They're going to lock me in a room with, with 10 or 20 ladies. And, man, this going to be the greatest. That's what the chain's for? Is that what the chain's yeah. for? <laughs> so, so knock five times is is next? No, I don't understand. Oh, five, 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 four times is one, two, three, four. That means you want some water. If you want to go to the bathroom, you know, you know, wow. and you got really got to go, you know, you know, if you want want some sandwich, you're not three times. That means you just want some meat. And that's what you know, it, hearing stories like this too, it's like it, for me and, and my upbringing, obviously on the other side of the world, in a totally different upbringing in Australia has its history and it's got its complications and it's got its choices. And we're wrestling with stuff at the moment, like everyone is, you know, in our families and in our wider community. But whenever I hear stories and I talk to my friends and musicians and people like yourself, like it, it feels like another world, you know, for me, it's so, I'm so far removed from these stories and it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it, it, it is, me a bit I, speechless, you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of, especially someone that's grown up with this music in that I've just kind of idolized. I've idolized the, the, the musician and this music to me. It's like, and then to think the music was being created through this time and through this period of, you know, playing only certain venues and playing with certain people. It's it's another world away for me. Yeah. But, you know, I think the hardest thing, one of the, another, another thing was so hard with me 
is try to tell this story about this book and let people know everything I told about myself. Don't feel bad about that because that was the truth about what went on. And it's still yeah. going on because a lot of things have changed, but so many things remain the same. Right. You know, you, you, you know like you know, like the Black Life Matter thing. Oh, that's, that's okay. I mean, this it does. But what matters most to me is the vote of Black Mice Black. If we vote in what we want in and vote out what we want out, then it doesn't matter as much. Mm-hmm. You know, Black Life do matter, but life matter. What matter with me now is having a way to pick up the pieces and go from here uh, beyond. Because we all know what's wrong, but we don't know how to fix what's wrong. And my yeah. uh, attitude about that, we must have love for each other and respect each other for what it is. I mean, that's life. We can't live in this world by ourselves. You know, and, and music is one of the things that links us together. It's one of the few things that links us together. You know, I had some ups and downs in everybody's life, especially musician life. But one thing about musician, when we playing music, man, we it, I don't say all, but most of them don't see no black and white issue. They yeah. just see the music, man. You know, see the music. And when I got in this music, I, I think about the money now. But when I first started playing music, man, it was about the feeling. It was about the love of it. And Muddy Water told me one time, he said, Barbara Rush, so you're going to make a lot of money, man, one of these days. You mean I can make a lot of money for doing something I would do free? Because it wasn't about the money issue. It was about the love of it. Yeah. And that same thing when I was writing this book, I tried to write about what brought me to this point. It wasn't about the mistreatment. It was a good time that I had because I was mistreated. Yeah. Those were what kept me going. I, I talk about some things in this book that my first marriage, I had three children and a wife. I lost my daughter, my second daughter, lost the wife, the son. And that was my whole family were wiped out. She had three sisters were living with me. They thought I was their daddy because they came with me when they were seven, eight years old. But I lost all of those. And, and you know, and, you know, I got married again, had another child with one boy. But, you know, I lost a whole family. How you find your way through that? You pick up the piece and you go from there. And you thank God for what it is. When I think about what it could have been, I'm so thankful for what it is. Mm. And the book really, I found so much in that for myself. Like it sounds so silly to, for me to talk about it in this way. You know, I really loved your book and I got so much out of it. But it was really true. Like I really loved it, Bobby. And um, I really can't encourage everyone enough to go buy a copy, you know, pre-order it right now. I mean, by the time you hear this, the book will be out. So you got to just buy yeah. it now that it's out. 22nd um, of June. 22nd of June, yeah. 22nd of so, June, you know. So let's – um. Let's turn sort of, we sort of entered this sort of section of the show talking about, um, you mentioned sort of the early days of playing into different places. I would love to talk about the Chitlin circuit just with you in those yes. days, because I mean, one of the big things in your book is too, is one of the things you've said today is, you know, don't feel sorry for me about these things. This is just the story and, and this is my wow. story. And this is, you know, as you've, as you've said it best, the, the thing about the Chitlin circuit for me is so many great artists have come through this thing that it's it's not a negative like you said in the book it's not a negative thing there seems to be this connotation on it it's like this down home kind of it's just where we put all the but i mean the list of artists for anyone that doesn't know i'm just going to give you some quick notables 
Cab Basie, Sam Cooke, Jackie Wilson, yes. George Benton, Cab Calloway, Ray Charles, Sammy Davis, Bobby Rush, the king of the, the, the chilling circuit, Wilson Pickett, Otis Redding, Marvin Gaye, Little Richard, Miracles, Argentina, Four Tops, Isaac. I mean, this is a couple. Bobby Blue, I can't forget Bobby Blue. I mean, Muddy Waters. The list goes yeah, on and on all and the, all on. All the guys come on. from the chilling circuit. Yeah. They come from the chilling circuit side because, you see, that's where we all come from. But I want the few yeah. guys who are not ashamed of the chilling circuit. Because when you speak about blues singing now and blues artists, most black people, young black men, don't want to be called blues singer because it's been written or said that blues singer is something less than something else. Now, the blues mm-hmm. singers, most of the time, it's not the black people who said it. It's the writers, the TV station, and the people who uh, write about it. Selling sell stuff. It. Yeah, it's, 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 it's always a downward thing until the white guys do it, then it's the best thing and the best thing since bubble gum. You know? Yeah. But 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 the but I want to tell all the people now to listen to us. I talk about the blues in a way, not because I'm a blues singer, but I happen to know the history of blues and gospel being the root of all music. And I often talk about if you don't like the blues, you probably don't like your mama. Because it's the root of our music. As you know, an, uh, a young man loving sort of you know what was nineteen seventies modern day rock and roll music at the time, you know. So, yeah. I mean, I found it in the nineties, but that's when I sort of fell in love with it. And then when I realized there was something before it that was like even purer, I was like, "Whoa, man, this is blowing my mind!" Yeah. You know, it's but so. You know, what, how would you then? What, yeah, go on. Sorry, I interrupted you. I, I want to tell you what you said is so important because. This music that I do, it's been here all the time. It's just what the root of the music. Even the rappers listen to Bobby Rush. Because I'm a rapper before the rapper was born. If it wasn't for a Bobby Rush, it wouldn't be no 50 cent, be a dime a quarter or something like that. Because <laughs> yeah. I started the rap thing. If you notice, if you notice lyrically, I modify in my music what I'm doing along with the time. If you notice in my music, my story never changed because there's nothing new under the sun. But I did change some musical things to, to, to kind of keep up with the time and what we're doing. Because just, just look at us now. 25 or 30, 50 years ago, we couldn't have this kind of quality of interview we're doing without being in some studio with, with each other. That's now right. we can do That's right. Look, 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 look what's happening with it. It's almost like having an outside toilet. Let me show you what that means. You probably don't know nothing about having a toilet outside your house. When I was coming up as a kid, as a black man, we didn't have no inside toilet. We had to go outside to a toilet. They stink. They didn't smell good. Now in my house, I got nine toilets. They all smell good. But guess what? Whatever we do in them now, never change. We've been doing that same thing in them. That hasn't changed. It just changed the look of it. Everyone in Australia is, going, is nodding along with you now because everyone's got outdoor toilets in Australia. Back in the day, everyone had oh. outdoor toilets. I don't know why. It was, it was I, very I, good I, here. I think Australia had like, just like we did in the southern state, we had outdoor toilets. We no inside outdoor toilets. We didn't, we didn't have no cap was, like this. <laughs> yeah, no, no. The teams weren't winning back then, I'll tell yeah. you too. <laughs> yeah. I, the thing is, though, that, that all of ours, though, all of our – Outdoor toilets had snakes that would kill you and spiders that would kill you and, yeah, you know, yeah. you know we got all well, that stuff do, down baby. here. But, 
but but dead is dead because one thing for sure, you die if you didn't, if what was in you if it didn't come out of you, you're still dead. <laughs> you like dead is dead, man. <laughs> yeah. So the so the chilling circuit. You were playing at some point. How many shows were you doing a year at the max? I played for you one time. Hot? I played one time for over fifty five years, but no less than a hundred. Unless it's 199 to 220 shows a year. Wow. How did how did you go? Were you were you ever kind of just burnt out, or just were yeah, you? Yeah. I mean, of course, that's a silly question. Yeah, you sure show you sure you get burnt out, but you get energy because there's 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 a blessing, that's another opportunity for you to keep going. And I was just like this this mule, a horse running with the the feet in the front of him, trying to catch up with it. And it, and, and it was hung on to my gear. And you know you're never going to catch it, but you never know that. So I just add it all the time. But that made me think about where I come from. I come from little nothing, man. My first gig, 1949 to 50, I was only making 45 cents an hour. Sometime I got it for $3 a day. Man, when I got in Chicago in 1951, I worked in places where I worked $7.50 a night, and I paid Muddy Waters $5.50 to come back to do two of these shows. $5.50, 1951. And I was making $7 as a band leader now. Now, I got to take my $7, and I got three guys I got to pay off. But that's what the children's talking about. A lot of people write about the children's talking about being a juke joint being this honky-tonk, being this little small place, all that happened, that's true one way. But that wasn't where the chitlin set was set up. It was set up, be, set up because they were serving you chitlins. Mm-hmm. And that's when the band get paid chitlin. I was so good in 1951, the owner would pay me in chitlin. He would pay me four chitlin plates. I would eat one, sell the other for 35 cents a piece. He would give me five hamburgers. I would eat one and sell the other for 25 cents a piece. So that means I'm making $3.50 a night on my food. Chitlin circuit. They were selling you chitlin the inside of a pig, a hog. That's chitlin circuit. It would, it would have nothing to do with the juke joint when it first started. And there, was, <laughs> there wasn't just little juke venues in this circuit, no. was there? There was, there was larger venues too, right? And, and you would, would you go town to town, place to place? But that's a, but I want to set this straight. That's it's not as many as juke joint now that it was then, but it's still a lot of juke joints now. But they're not called juke joint. You know why? Because the white people's own them. What are they called now? Cabarets? Yeah, cabarets and, the, and casino. Where the cotton fields used to be, where they used to pick cotton, they yeah. got casino in the cotton field now. But they're still hiring the same black people for less money Working in a casino for the same cotton picking money. Wow. That's true. So you're still picking cotton, just a different form. Yeah. So everything have changed, but yet it remained the same. Yeah, man. That's <clears throat> I got nothing with that. I, I'm just yeah, gonna keep buying your records. I mean, that's all I'm gonna do. Over this side, yeah. that's all I can do. <laughs> yeah, well, I tell you what, that's a great start. We will just we just hope we can Educate the people out there so they can yeah. so want so much download. I know download is great because sometimes you can't 
get a uh, advertisement over with yourself unless you use your phones and the downloading or whatever. It's yeah, all it's, all a, big, it's all a big mess. <laughs> it's all a big mess. I mean, <clears throat> let's not even. It, it's it's a big it's a big mess, but we got to face it and talk about the issues and try to make the best out of what it is. Yeah, because, true, Bobby. Yeah. Yeah, well, we got to make the best out of it because you and I, and when I, I'm using you and I for an example, can't keep walking around talking about what I should or should not do. We got to excited about not doing the thing we shouldn't do to each other. Yeah. And that's, yeah. we got to put in an action, you know? Yeah. We all know what we should do to get together as peoples in this world. Yeah. We all know what we got to do, you know? I just talking to a gentleman this morning. We got to wash our hands. We got to get our uh, uh, ex shots. And, and stay out of this or now because the virus is there. But you got still got people saying, well, I don't want to take it because uh, I'm afraid of it because something happened a uh, hundred years ago. It made it happen. But when you sit down to eat your dinner, you say your grace or your blessing or you bless the table and hope for the best. You don't know who cooked it. You don't know where it come from. You don't know what ground it come out of it. So you got to take the shot just like that and take life like this. And you, when you do that thing, when you get married, all you do is you take your oath and, and the whole things go well. The thing don't go well. She goes her way. You go your way. Whatever happens. But pick up the pieces with someone else or with the same person and make something out of life by, by drawing back in love and try to get along with everybody. Because it's what we got. We, we like it. It's just too much zigzagging, too much separation. And, you know, one of the things, too, that I kind of found in your book as well is that I think there's a lot of talking, myself included. I think I can spend a lot of time talking and less time just, just doing. Just just doing. Yeah. Just doing. Just, ma- just kind of just – it's yeah. action. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, in all the years oh, you're God. playing the – you know, in all the years you're playing the circuit, right, The sort of at, at, your, at the peak time that you were doing all those shows – how many records did you make? Do you remember off the top of your head? Yeah, I know how many. That was the day I made 397 records. Wow. That was the day of 397 records. And 381, I think, of them that I wrote them. And you know what? God have given me the, the mind to remember 205th of those songs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what happens when someone calls out, play this one, and it's one of the one of the one thirty on not on the list? You go, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to that after yeah, break. Yeah. yeah, after break, and I had to kind of go through it, but but I remember enough of it to to make them feel good about it. Yeah, yeah. Someone so, asked me the other night, said Barbara Rich, said do or uh, do to do. Well, I know do to do was come from a little saying. He said, well, what about dog named Bo? When I hadn't did the song probably a year and a half. But it came to me, I said, in a little shack down by the bay not far from New Orleans. I met this pretty woman down there when I was about 19. She went and told her daddy she wanted to marry me. And the look on her daddy's face really was a sight to see. He said, get out of here with you and don't you come back no more. Well, I wanted to meet her daddy like a young man order. But he didn't want no blues saying like Bobby Rich to marry his daughter. When I went by the house that day, he met me at the door with a brother, sister, big brother, John, and a dog named Bo, saying, get out of here and don't you come back no more. Well, I wanted to... I wanted to get with the kids, but they sick the dogs on me. Made them tear up all my clothes. I was running fast trying to get away down that dusty road. I was running fast trying to get away down the railroad track. I saw them kids throwing rocks at me every time I started to look back. When I sneaked down to get married, Jerry said, do the solemn swear to take this woman for the lawful wife and not a one-night love affair. 
Before I can open my mouth to say I do, guess who walked through the door? Dad, Mom, Big Brother John, the dog named Bo. What I thought right then, if I wanted to get married anyway, I had to find a way to elope. We decided to go to Las Vegas to get away from my nosy folk. As soon as I got to Las Vegas, the same day I walked in, that was all her kin, all her friends, and the big dog again. Second, get out of here. I'm a blessed man to remember those kind of things. And I can remember 250 songs like that. Yeah, man. And, 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 and I'm, I'm not bragging about it. I'm talking about how thankful I am. Yeah. You follow me? My yeah. daddy was a preacher, and I talk about in this book, my daddy was a preacher who read it from the front to the back. And I could see him reading things like that. And I guess I inherited some of that thing from my dad. My biggest thing, I think, is, is, is what I remember. Because when you're old as I am, when you get 80-something years old, I use 80-something because I'm not 90, but I'm certainly over 85, you know. <laughs> well, let's and, I, and, and I remember yeah. pretty well. Thank God for that. <clears throat> Well, let's take uh, let's take uh, another quick break, and then let's um, let's talk about some of the uh, the other two hundred and forty nine you remember and, and, and making making records. We'll be right back. All right, Bobby. So I um. I thanks so much. I'm having such a great time, by the way. Before I lead us back in, um, thanks again. Such a pre- such a pleasure, man. You're, you're wonderful, host, man. Wonderful, my be- you're the best, man. Come on, you're the best. Oh, I mean, that's that's nice. That's nice of you to say. I appreciate that. All right, so let's. I wanted to before we come in. I wanted to talk about um, just making records and 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 what it's like as a blues man and how you kind of come to making a record. So, so in kind of, in terms of whether it's kind of like a full LP or or just kind of getting your band together, just giving people kind of a little insight into how you do that. Uh, one, 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 should we talk about should we talk yeah. about Raw than Raw? Like how you sort of yeah, yeah, come to make yeah. that? Let's talk about Raw than Raw. All right, Raw, so let's Raw, talk Raw. let's let's talk making making records with um the the great the the legend Bobby Rush here. Talk talk to us about making Raw than Raw. Um, and for people that don't kind of know what goes into making a record in getting musicians together and writing songs or, or choosing covers, you know, most people just take, you know, if they're lucky, they take the vinyl out of the case, they blow it off, they put it down. They remember they don't own a record player. They put the LP back up on the case and then they push play on iTunes. But for, for, for those that, you know, want to understand a bit more, run us through how you came up with Roar Than Roar and, and how that all came about. Well, I got different approaches by different things I do, especially in this music business. When you're a producer, when you're a writer like I am, and I try to write about things I think people want to hear about. They want to hear about life, love, and making money, and ups and downs, how you get out of balance. But Raw and the Raw was a song that was a CD that I had already written. And as of that pandemic hit us, hit us so hard and I wasn't working. I wasn't doing anything but sitting around the house with my guitar playing, trying to keep myself active so I wouldn't run crazy and what have you. And I said, I got about 75 records in the can that I had started working on. And I always write by myself with my guitar, out of harmonica, out of bass. And I said, this is great stuff. Already, I don't need anything around it. Plus, I can't go to work. And something hit me, boom. Put it out. Be honest with you. I didn't go to the studio to cut a thing. It was already done. 
I got enough record now recorded. I could put out 10, 12 records without going to the studio now. Man. That I recorded yeah. through the years, like the recorded at demos. Yeah. But it's already completed. It's just not the big band things around, just me and the guitar. What I, it was hard for me to choose what I want to do with this as I said, well, this is where I'm going. But I want to recognize people that I looked up to, like the Muddy Water, uh, Sam, Sam David Jr., and people like that. He said, he, but he's not from Mississippi. Let me get, let me get uh, Howlin' Wolf, uh, Elmo James, these guys from Mississippi. Now, how this came by, if you notice a guy from Louisiana, well, I'm from Louisiana, but most of my Louisiana guys went west to L.A., San Francisco, places like that. And when they got in them town, pretty soon they adapt with whatever was going on in that town. They started sounding like them guys in the town or ladies. They started doing what they do, and they adapt. Yeah. When you ever notice a guy from Mississippi, whenever he went, whenever he goes, he, he don't ever change. When he opened his mouth, you can say, ha, oh, I bet he's from Mississippi. Listen to how he sounds. They never changed. And I want to talk about guys who had a sound and never changed. Evan Hollywood, Buddy Water, Sonny Boy Williamson, mm. Elmo Jane, people like that. That's why I pictured them, because I looked up to them because they never changed. Yeah. They never changed. As long as you have known BB, maybe he couldn't change. But the reason, maybe the reason he can't couldn't change because he shouldn't change. Whatever you heard from him, nineteen fifty one, when he passed, you heard the same thing out. He never changed. Here, I as a blues man, always tried to modify what I was doing, try to keep up with Louis Jordan, keep up with the Bobby Bland, uh, the Elmo James, the Muddy Waters, the Hollow Wolf. You can hear all that in Barbarish element because you can hear a little piece of this, a little piece of that. And I put it all in a bowl and stir it up. That's when you come up with a Bobby Rush. But you didn't hear that with some of these guys. You, whenever they open their mouth, you say, wow, this sound like 1951 or 49. You heard them, if you hear them today, they sound the same way. Yeah, it's like someone yeah. has a microphone up on a porch or a side corner and someone's just playing for joy and for tips, you know? Right, you're right, you know? And the little song I did earlier when we was talking about the garbage man. Those kind of things I come up. Sonny White William was the greatest thing, but it with his harp in the mouth, you know, and, and, and clapping his hand. Hey man, no more of them guys. I believe now that I'm probably the last of the kind, like a dinosaur now, to doing what I'm doing with this raw in You got young guys coming on. They can do it and do it well but they don't sound like I sound or some of the old guys sounding because they don't have a feeling. They copy. There's a copy of the copy. That's right. I'm not a copy of the copy. Man, I'm one of the guys, man. You're the real thing. Hey, I'm the copy. Well, you 87 years old. I'm I'm not a copy. (laughs) You know? We don't have the technology. But so for those who don't know, it's uh, Royal and Royal is very stripped down, uh, you know, acoustic sound. Like you said, it's guitar, harmonica. You're singing a very different sound to the one that you won your first Grammy with a few years well, earlier. Before you go there, if you please let me, it's stripped down, but if you notice the way I play, it sounds like two guitar players. If right. you listen to it, you think, you think it's an overdub with another guitar. That's because I play, if I can say, I play with the bass all the way I'm playing. I'm playing, but I got a bass going like this all the time. 
moving up and down. I play with I play with my thumb. thumb. My thumb has got the bass going like a bass playing with me because I'm a bass player. Mm. So so I, I I developed this thing as a bass player all the same time I'm playing like this. I think this is thing too with the sound like, and I certainly didn't imply this by saying stripped down, but this there's this thing about you know like. I guess I would say like true blue blues. True blue is such an Australian term. It means like the real thing or kind of like the purest kind of thing. It, it, the, the, it, it can come across as simple and I'm doing bunny ears when it's, when it's stripped back, but it's not. It's so, there's so much in it, but you have to kind of know what you're listening for to oh, really, yeah, yeah. you know, to really sort of fall into the well. And once you're in the well, you're just wet. You, you can't you're get wet. out. You're just swimming. It's all you want. You don't want nothing else but no blues, you know? But you don't have to feel bad about what you about to strip down because that's what it is, though. Honestly, yeah, you know, okay, you're, cool. you're trying to find another word for it. But honestly, you strip down, you strip everything off. But that's what it is. You 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 can hear me with with my feet going like this, and you hear my thumb going like yeah. this. That's stripped down. It just sounds like three people doing it. Did you have your harmonica on at the same time? Yeah, it's it's hard. It's so like just, your just one take, just just throwing out. I didn't never. I didn't have an overdub on this session. or nothing. Not. One take. Everything was one take, other than a couple of harmonica plays, harmonica parts. I put down because because I, I didn't have a rack around my neck. But that's no overdub. That's nothing. So well, I'm gonna put this down and it gets that part. Nothing. None of that. That's one take with Bobby Ray. I can pick up my guitar and play it to you any day, just like that. Sound like if, you know, if you know, that that ain't easy to do. That's not easy. That's not easy to do. And I know I played like rubbing your head and patting your stomach. I know I played like that. But I did it intentionally. And, and I learned to play like that because when I was a boy, I didn't have no band to play with. And I didn't have no bass man to rehearse with. So I had to do this myself. I had to do all this by myself. I didn't have no company, you know, and I have to make sure that that I know enough about to make my changes right. Well, you see a John Lee Hooker, bless his soul, um, but he changed when he get ready. I try to change it in pattern. If I'm doing a thing, one, two, three, four, and it's, it's, it's hey, you know, if, if I'm done, example, if I'm saying, rhythm. Yeah. And most hard players don't do that rhythm. So the hard players understand when I say they understand that. But the public may say, well, here's another guy that's playing hard. But every hard player in the country understand. They understand that note. Because hard player play uh-uh. I play one note at a time. That because I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I, and if we're lucky, I'm not sure what's right here. And, and, but, but some hard players inside the building, they understand it. They understand yeah. that They understand that. They're in it. They, can feel it. they understand that. Hard Me, I'm just grinning like a kid in a candy shop. That's it. Me, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just dancing. 
I'm just like, Ooh, let's go. It's 9.30 in the morning and I'm hitting the club. Let's go. No, my side of the world it is, Bobby. It's 9.30. It's so early. So you know. it's funny the thing you said about using your bass, kind of your, your thumb to get the bass going because you didn't have a guy to sort of play the bass. I often sort of talk to people about, you know, when you're talking about sort of groove or you're just talking about, you know, I use the word rock and roll, you know, but, you know, the role in the rock, the role yeah. is, you know, yeah. blues and in, in the, yeah. in the R&B and soul, that's the, the role. It's funny that you were kind of, you felt, nah, I need this to kind of get the full spectrum of the sound. I need this bass to kind of play even here. And you were like this one man band getting this role, you know, it's, I like that, man. Listen, but you just gave me, thank you, roll in the rock. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Every time the, I'm, yeah. You're watching, but you got to roll in the rock, and it got to be in time. Yeah. Yeah. How you roll? You roll in the rock. You, you rock with the roll, you roll in the rock. Yeah, right. That's it. It's on the meter, man. It's on the yeah. meter. All right, well, let's um, let's take another quick break because I'm just going to keep begging you to play harmonica. So I'm just going to take a breath. I'm going to calm down, and then let's uh, we'll come right back. The biggest thing that I took from your book is that you know, the music business is is a tough business. I think musicians will know that more than anybody else. The ups and downs. It's not to feel, uh, let me correct myself. The music business is a strange business. Yes. And looking at it from face value and not letting that get you down and not letting that become the reason to kind of, if I can use this term for myself, feel sorry for yourself. But actually just to see it as it is and get on doing what you love and just ride to the next town and play another show and just do it because it's what you're meant to do. That was one of the big things for me. That's just, I got that kind of from myself, you know, making, making records in, in sort of, you know, I'm not a 20 year old guy anymore and I'm kind of, you know, making sort of rock music now. You know, you, you made so many records over such a period of time and it wasn't till you know, your 80s that, that after many gram noms that you won your first, even though you were making records in the 70s that 30 years later would be called some of the great blues records of that time. You know, I guess I'm just saying you're so wise. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm so thankful to have you to explain that to me. I couldn't explain that any better than yeah. no way I could come up with how you said that. Because what happened with me in life, yeah. I didn't know I was I didn't know I know how I got here. What I recorded, I won my first Grammy when I was 83 years old. I had many records, so more record than than that. But I didn't but I was just playing records and playing music. I wasn't playing the politics. Someone said, well, what does politics got to do with it? You got to play politics and you got to know how and when and who to go to and who to ask for help because there were some things I've done before now that maybe I should have done, but I didn't know how to go about doing it. I didn't know how to play the politics in the business. Didn't know how to get my record on certain radio station. I didn't know how to 
go by cutting a record and thinking about uh, commercializing it. You know, not, not I'm just playing the music. But when you play music, you you got to play music like you love it. But you also got to think about who you're playing it for. When you're 15 years old, 35 years old, 100 years old, what have you. It's just like if you're going to make candy, if candy's hard candy, when you make hard candy, you can't you can't sell it to the old folk home. They can't chew it. They got no teeth. <laughs> so you got to think about where you're going to sell it. And what you got to think about all these. That's in the business. In the early days, I was just playing music, man. But think about none of that. Now I think about who buys for me? Who's my fan? Who like this kind of cake? And who I should sell it to? You got to think about all them kind of elements. That's the politic of music. That's the politic of business. You know, you don't make a minute skirt for later to 80 years old. Minute skirt go for the teenager. Now, if you're going to make something for them, you got to change the style up a little bit. So you got to think about all that kind of thing. And at my age, I got to sit down. So who comes to see Bobby Rush? I got to think about the songs and the attitude and approach that fits the people who come to see me. Do you think that that's something that you could have been aware of earlier in your career? Do you think that's something that people find at a certain point in time? Or do you think coming up the way you did, the way America has been for the last 100 years, that it was always going to be that it, the way it was going to be for blues musicians? I just, all I knew, I thought this way going to be. Mm. As Paul said in the writing, when you learn better, you do better. Yes, I would have changed some things to fit the time. We are doing it now. We are Zooming. We were Zooming 40 years yeah, ago. That's crazy. But we, but not, but you got, this is what we have to do, what we got to do. Yeah. You, you follow me? Yeah, I'm with you. You yeah, know, yeah. you got to learn it. You, if you got to fit in or fit out. Mm. I mean, that's, that's what you got to do. You don't have to change what you say. You got to change the approach and the way you say it. It ain't what you do. It's the way you do it. Because each time you put that harmonica to your lips and you get that thumb moving on that bass, the music stays the same. It's just how it then goes out into the world. That's right. It's, 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 it's what you say and how you say it. Uh, God. Man, I look at when I started in 1947. Let me give you a little rundown with me so you know how this book really came by. I couldn't put everything in this book because the book would be a because thousand pages more than it is now. Yeah. In 1947, I got my first job. My first job was killing foxes. A fox, a fox now. Talking about the fox. They went mad in 1947 in Louisiana and they bit dogs. They had rabies and they would bite you and heal you. So the government would give black men as a whole one dollar for every fox they kill. We try to kill 10 foxes every day so we can make ten dollars. Well, I had an uncle and myself and I got real smart. So what I did, I found a fox who had some little foxes. So I taken the fox, captured the fox, and brought him and put him in a pen and built a fence. And I started raising foxes. <laughs> and they like rabbits, man. The foxes like rabbits. We had so many foxes, 
the government said, where y'all getting this fox farm? I said, out the wood. We lied about that. Man, we were raising foxes. Foxes, they have, we get 10 foxes. They have 40 babies every week. That's genius. Like a rabbit. Every single day they have a baby. Man, we have so many foxes. <laughs> we kill them in dollar piece. We kill 10 a day. Back in 1951, $10 a day. Man, sometimes we had 20 a day, 10 a piece. That's $20 a day. That's a great side hustle. Man, raising foxes. Oh, that's a side hustle, man. We hustle the foxes. And the government, well, anyway, that's, but that's what you have to do. You have to do what you have to do. Mm. Now, pandemic's in the end. What you gonna do? We zoom in. We got to let people know that we can't stop this book from being out because I talked about it before and I talk about it now. Everybody should go out and get this book. Yeah. Because I don't want you to feel bad about me about this book. I just want you to read it. It may relate to your life. If you don't read it, I ain't studying you. <laughs> that's the name. <laughs> you know, Bobby, too, I think that if I can just like, you know, because I don't like to try and sell things either. Like, I, I just think it's people don't come to places for, for you know, I, I know you're the same. I've got that impression from you. It's, uh, but I do think that not just musicians will find a lot in the book. It's, it's, you know, a book about, you know, your life story about more than music, so much of music, relationships, love, life. I mean, we all live a life and we all make choices yeah, yeah. and we all have, you know, different backgrounds, but there are a lot of similarities in all of us. And, and one of them yeah. is I believe we should all love the blues. That's me anyway. That's just how I feel. You know, funny you would say that, not just love the blues, but as men, I have lived long enough to see men as a whole, whether white men, Hispanic or black men or what have you, as a whole, you know, we like pretty much the same thing. If I tell you, say, listen, I'm, you should come down to this, to this place or whatever. It's about 20 ladies in here and they all look good. Now, you might not like all of them. You can bet you when I say that, you're going to like most of them because we pretty much like the same thing. Yeah. If I, if you tell me, say, Bob Rush, I want you to meet somebody, she look good. Nine times out of 10, they're going to look just like you expressed it to me. Because we know, we we all got the same kind of same, same taste, but, you know, yeah. I had the girls on the side of me when I when I do my shoulder dance. Some of them, the big girl, they eat color green, big button, whatever you. But I do that because I know overall men like that. I didn't say they want to take them home with them, but they got some in mind. They want to take them someplace. Yeah, I mean, I like Ferraris, but I'm not going to buy one. (laughs) (laughs) Man. Man. Oh man, you you a crazy man, man. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. All right, Bobby, Bobby Rush. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me today. It's been a bucket list moment for thank me you. for sure. Um, go buy the book, folks. Go buy the albums. Just, um, it's been a real thrill, Bobby. Thank you for your time and for sh- sharing well, the life thank with you, me. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You're funny guy. But my plan is to do all I can while I can. I know that will come a time I cannot do, but I won't regret what I did not do. So this book is not telling you everything, but it gives you some of 
my life and where I've been, where I am, and where I'm planning to go. You get a sum of vibration. That don't mean it's good. That means it's a true thing. It's my story, and I'm telling it. It's a real privilege. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. This has been Ramble City, a podcast of conversations with interesting people musing on art, life, and their careers. Created and produced by Old Fashioned Media. To hear more and discover additional material from today's episode, visit OFM.com. <laughs>